and welcome to The Good, The Bad, and The Podcast, the show where we take a given movie genre and we explore those good titles, those bad titles, and those ugly titles that are just one screw shirt of a ball. Hey guys, I'm Mark. Hey, I'm Kelly. And I'm Charles. And uh, as you guys can see, we have a special guest who is very familiar with this whole thing. He started it years ago with me. This is Topher. And hey guys, uh, how's it going? And... Uh, you know, we're this is another special episode. Last time we announced we were going to do my pick, which was because we were going to skip Kelly's pick for a moment, and now we're skipping my pick to do this. It's kind of interesting how that works. But I, you know, what's funny is I I mentioned my pick, and then I was like, oh, why don't we just do another one during this quarantine? You guys, you know, if you have any downtime, do you want to just go ahead and watch mine, and we'll do a second one in the month? And they're like, no, I don't know if we'll have time. So I was like, well, okay, let's do a special one. And like, suddenly we picked seven movies. And like, yeah, we got time to do seven movies. We just can't do your three that you picked. Because none of these movies are cats, Charles. Well, I, is, is that the problem? You guys just didn't want to watch cats? <laughs> no. By, actually- by the way, if, if you didn't watch the last episode, Topher, uh, my pick was uh, animal hybrid movies. And uh, <laughs> one of which was cats. And it's not that they're actually like, well, except for one of them, they actually are a hybrid. But it's just that they're... That uncanny valley between human and animal. That's yeah. the, what I was going please, for. Please tell me that the uh, Island of Dr. Moreau with Val Kilmer and Marlon Brando. It is. It yes. is on there. It, and, and, it, I, and also, I, I know you. I know you. And so I wanted well. to put this on there that uh, last time I, I kept referring to his Island of Dr. Munro. It's Moreau. I just wanted to be clear. I forgot that until I rewatched it. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, so anyway, and uh, you guys out there, you may notice we're in black and white tonight. Um, this is uh, not a mistake, although, you know, there are many mistakes on the show. This is actually intentional, <laughs> and it's because of our topic. Now, um, uh, as we said, I, I was kind of spitballing ideas to do another, another episode, special episode during this quarantine time. And uh, I, I, I said a few things, one of which was like slapstick comedies or like silent film comedies. And Kelly was like, no, let's do screwball comedies. And so with that. I want to put the pressure on Kelly. Kelly, define screwball comedy. What is a screwball comedy? Okay, so I am terrible at defining genres, but a few features that I feel like are prominent with these are it's they're very dialogue heavy. Um, they're all about the banter, all about the snappy, fast-paced, um, just repartee between the characters. Um, there's usually a really heavy male versus female dynamic, kind of a battle of the sexes sort of thing. Um, The best ones have a really strong female character. Some will probably get into this tonight. Um, Some are, are not as strong. Like the, (laughs) I feel like the, they're let, they're, they're so like crazy and zany that that the plot is not necessarily what drives them to, to me. Like that's not what I'm the most focused on when I'm watching one of these you kind of watch it more to see what shenanigans are going to happen, to, to listen to the dialogue, to um, to watch them fall in love. There, there I don't know if there has to be a romance necessarily every single time, but I, I feel like that's that's common. But they, they do. I mean, they're heavy. It's hard to say because it is like a mixture of like all these different genres, really. And yeah. I would say these early ones, especially because their heyday was in the 1940s, 30s. Mm-hmm. Um especially leading up to World War II. But uh, I would say that they definitely gave way to uh, more traditional romantic comedies. Mm-hmm. Um, but the more traditional ones kind of skew heavily on the romantic part. 
um, instead of the kind of silliness and zaniness of it. So it's, mm-hmm. it's a very fine line. But some of these, especially uh, our first one that happened one night, really kind of set the bar um, for all, everything. So it's really hard to say. Um, but um, yeah, so with that said, it was hard to pick these. We had to narrow it down. Uh, we had it narrowed down to six. Kelly threw in an extra one, which we'll get to in a bit. It's kind of like last time when I was the only one that had watched the movie. Uh, and and Mark picked a few, and we'll probably disagree about some of these, too, because I'm, I'm of the opinion that not all of these are screwball comedies. And I would say there's two on here that are not. But uh, that may surprise you which two I pick for that. And also, this is, like I said, this is a special episode. There's not necessarily going to be good, bad, and ugly. We're just going to talk about these movies and kind of hopefully, you know, give you a break, give you some entertainment on late on a Wednesday night. So you're not going crazy. What else is anybody doing, right? That's right. Right. Uh, so, oh, oh, and uh, if you notice, I'm wearing a shirt. My wife made this shirt. Uh, Joe Bob Briggs back this Friday, the last nice. drive in on Shutter. One of my favorite programs. It was awesome last season. So um, if it's worth even getting a trial to Shutter to see if you like it. If you don't know who Joe Bob Briggs is, this is Ernie, the bearded dragon. So anyway, are we ready to start? Yeah. Let's do it. All right. Topher, you are. I'm, a, I'm ready to go. I'm ready a to go. look of bewilderment there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. So, yeah. So, Kelly, I think you're going to start off with a synopsis for It Happened One Night from 1934, and then we'll play the trailer. Yes. Okay. This is short and sweet. A spoiled heiress <laughs> running away from her family is helped by a man who is actually a reporter in need of a story. All right. By Frank Capra. All right. So, here we go. How do you expect to get to New York at the rate you're going? But that's none of your business. You're on a budget from now on. Not just a minute. You Shut up. You've got a name, haven't you? Yeah, I got a name. Peter Warren. Peter Warren. I don't like it. Don't let it bother you. You're giving it back to me in the morning. Take me with you, baby. Take me to your island. I want to do all those things you talked about. You better go back to your bed. Mind if I try? You. <laughs> Don't make me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're such a smart Alec. Nobody knows anything but you. I'll stop a car and I won't use my thumb. What are you going to do? The system on my own. was it happened one night yeah yeah this like charles said this did set the bar because it it won a bunch of awards too right mm-hmm. yeah i i think uh it, i think it was the first one to win the the so-called top five ones like actor actress director uh screenplay all that stuff mm-hmm. picture yep um and you know like we said it's it's kind of uh it was the first in so many ways these this kind of traditional romantic comedy that we've seen so many times. Um, and I, for one, love it. I think it's a great movie. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it holds up incredibly well, too. Yeah. 
It, it does. Me, same here. I mean, I think the Clark Gable and Claudette Colbert, like, they have really good chemistry. Um, even the scene, he just, he plays this type of character so well, who's like, you know, this, this kind of a gruff exterior, but he has a secretly tender heart underneath, you know, all of it. And he just, he, he's like kind of a jerk, but the kind of not, it's hard to pin down. I mean, well, a lot of it felt so modern too. Uh, I don't know if you guys felt that way. I mean, it, it really did. Like the, the dialogue was fast and witty and, um, and, and, and surprisingly, like there were a few things that I just, it didn't feel, it felt like it, it could have been a movie made now that happened to take place in the thirties or in the, you know, and then the early thirties. Right. So like, it didn't feel like these were what I would consider some of the t- acting styles of that time or some of the, you know, some of the cliches from that time period. Yeah. There's a timeless quality to it. Yeah. The, uh, there were a couple of things that kind of took me out of it for just a minute. The, the father figure was a little bit over the top, I guess at the beginning. So there was this huge turnaround, right? Like at the beginning, he was basically had her entrapped on this boat. And then by the end, he was all in favor of the marriage, right? Yeah, because he knew that he knew that Clark Gable's character really loved her and wasn't just after her for the money. It's one of the that is one of the weaker aspects of it because the her fiance, you know, they don't really show him that much, and they don't really even, you know, it's just the father says that he's after the money. They don't really even show him just being after the money, as far as I remember. So, he, I wish they would show that on screen a little bit more or had more of a fight. But even that, I think, was pretty awesome when he when Clark Gable shows up. It's the typical thing of romantic comedies now where there's a misunderstanding and, you know, she thinks he's just after the money, but he just wants what's owed to him. Mm-hmm. And, and also, I kept looking at, like, uh, my wife and I love to, like, look at what things would have cost then compared to now. And it's like, you know, he wanted, like, $39.60, but that would have been, like, 700 bucks in today's money. So, it's just interesting. Yeah. And, the, and, the, and that reward that they offer would have been close to, like, I think like two million. It is crazy how much it's gone up with inflation. Wow. So. Yeah, but it's it, it's very very charming. Um, just the movie in general. It's Capra esque. It is. It is. <laughs> it's good Capra though, because sometimes he can be a little a little bit cheesy, corny. Um, but this is one of his best ones, I well, think. We were actually just talking about that uh, when the trailer was playing that. We, we haven't... I don't think we've done a Frank Capra episode yet. Uh, Topher, I think... Which movie were you saying was your favorite of his? Or I was going to say, yeah, if you, do, if you do that episode, you got to bring me back for a Capra episode because I would totally come in and talk about a Capra episode. But um, Lost Horizon is the one that I really enjoy a lot. That's the one that has, like, folks end up in, like, Shangri-La. It's a whole... Um, it's a great movie. It's fantastic. But it's also, like... It was a really popular book. And like in the 30s, like FDR named uh, Camp David Shangri-La after the book. I mean, like it's it's a anyway, it was like a cultural thing at the time. So the fact that Capra made the movie of it and it had a huge budget, like two million dollar sets built in Van Nuys. I mean, it was a thing like two million dollars then, not two million dollars. Right. Now. And it was like a, it was like a big movie at the time. But anyway, but no one's ever heard of it. No one ever saw it because um, it was a very um, socially unacceptable movie during the uh communist fight because it was i mean 
Capra makes. So, uh, so in Hell Latin Caesar, movies. they probably wouldn't have liked it too much. The characters in that movie. Yeah, I was gonna say that that connection is not lost. Yeah, for sure. But um, <laughs> anyway, yeah, we'll get back to that later. I'm sure. But no, that's a good movie. And Capra just he he does have the ability to be preachy, but he does have the ability to be really charming and quaint at the same time. So uh, I would say Mr. Smith goes to Washington. That's one of my favorites. I, I love that movie. So um, okay. So sounds like if I'm hearing you guys right, we're ready to move on to the next one. Sure. Yeah. Okay. The last comment I was going to say is that Claude Colbert looks like a young Liza Minnelli to me, but I could see that. Yeah, I could see that too. <laughs> so the next one is uh, what? Bringing a baby. Bringing a baby. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> is that you, Topher? Who's reading the thing that's for me. this? No, that's okay. that's me. Okay. Um, <laughs> our synopsis here is: while trying to secure a one million dollar donation for his museum. A befuddled paleontologist is pursued by a flighty and often irritating heiress and her pet leopard baby. That is an incredibly wordy uh, synopsis. Okay, and here is the trailer. I hope you realize that you've made a perfect fool of yourself in front of everyone. Have you finished? Uh, Yes, yes, I have. Thank you very much. Oh. You lied to me. Yes, but just a little bit. I mean, no, 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 no. But it isn't a ridiculous story. I have. Where is the leopard? In there. I don't believe you. But you must believe me. I've been the victim once more of your unbridled imagination. What do you want? Well, uh, Mrs. Random invited me for dinner. Would you please find out if she still wants me? (laughs) She's hung up. Oh, (laughs) there. So am I. I am Major Horace Applegate of the Explorers Club. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are you doing? What are you doing with that gun? The gun is up there. I have been hunting leopards. Uh, oh, uh, you've been hunting leopards, huh? Yes, yes, I have been hunting leopards. Any luck? Uh, well, not what I'm accustomed to, no. You see, I was slightly mm-hmm. confused regarding Boys. leopards. I, Boys. The, uh, they, they, they told me that the... Uh, the uh, Take your hand off that man! Come on! Come on, yeah, man. Come, come on! Come on, stop! Lock him up, lock him up. Hey, hey! Hey, let go! Let go! Hello, Delgate. Oh, Miss Susan, how in the world did you get here? Influence. You mean to tell me he wants to wear that thing? Look, of course I don't want to wear this thing. All I want to do is get married. Susan, I forbid it. I absolutely put my foot... Oh, but Arnie, you don't understand, but please let me explain. Now, all I tell you, man, like that. Quiet! Oh, but David, please... And that is 1938's Bringing a Baby with, is it Bring a Baby or Bebe? Because it's the name of the, the name of the leopard is Bebe, right? But they, I guess they Americanized it in the title. Anyway, uh, Cary Grant and Catherine Hepburn. I didn't realize Catherine Hepburn and who's the other Hepburn in uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's. Audrey. I didn't realize they were, yeah, I didn't know they were different people until <laughs> so. Wow. Sorry, guys. That's okay. <laughs> that would have been confusing. <laughs> and not related at all. 
Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, anyway, fun fact I, about myself. I think Catherine Hepburn is like the best part of this movie. I mean, yes, it's got the witty dialogue. And yes, it has to y'all's point before about like what a screwball comedy is where it's like the plot really doesn't matter. It's about the witty dialogue and watching the characters fall in love or the hijinks or whatever. I feel like the MacGuffin in this movie of a leopard is ridiculous <laughs> and crazy and it's fun and Dude, it works. Wait, that is two that is leopards, two leopards. <laughs> yeah. yeah I forgot about that. <laughs> it gets. And yet somehow, and yet somehow like Catherine Hepburn, not only does she seem to kind of float above it all, it doesn't ever seem to phase her. The fact that they're like, Oh, we're chasing a leopard and a dog through the woods at night. And there's a man with a shotgun. What's the worst that could happen? You know, and it's just, she just doesn't care. But I was realizing, and this is a terrible reference, so please forgive me. But like, I was watching it and I was like, she feels very much like, like, um, almost like Natalie Portman in um, Garden State, that kind of like manic pixie dream girl. Like, she's like the proto manic pixie dream girl. And I was like, that's, I get it now. Like, she is incredibly charming. And back then, it must have been like a total revelation that you could have a female character that is that kind of character. That's just kind of there's loaded. a there's a Sandra Bullock movie. I think is it called no. All About Steve? Uh, that oh, pro- okay. probably no one's seen. Yeah, yeah, no one's talking about because in that and her character very much reminds me of Catherine Hepburn's in this, which is to say, awful. Um, I, of course you hate it. I hate this movie. I, I just, I didn't get it. It's, I, the whole movie, I just couldn't stand her character. The, now, of course you hate it. <laughs> I'm now getting flashbacks to the original, to the original podcast where you, you both work on completely different planes always, of existence. Always. <laughs> I don't feel like we've ever even watched the same movie. <laughs> I don't think we did. Seriously, you you found her charming at the I beginning love when she her in this movie when she I gets it her. when she gets in his his car and wrecks it. I mean, it's in that kind of like I don't know. This is like Amelie. Like this is like Amelie style. Well, like, okay, I, yeah, Amelie is yeah. Um, wow, yeah, wow, kind of that way. But I, I don't know. Like, I almost feel like. Catherine Hepburn in this movie, not only I, I do find her charming in this movie, but I also find it like it's almost like she's so she is this heiress who has never actually had to do anything for real. So that when she ends up in the real world, she doesn't know what to do. And it's just kind of like that's the reason. That, See, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm I would say it. that about the Philadelphia story, but not about this movie. Right. I, yeah, look, I think here's the thing. You I and think I, I can will bridge the gap. Disagree, will not agree. So it's okay. It's, <laughs> I, I think I can bridge the gap between y'all two because I think Catherine Hepburn as an actress, I think transcends this movie. Like I didn't enjoy the movie that much, but I I loved Catherine Hepburn in it because I think what I think if you just watch one scene of this movie, it's really charming and like oh okay yeah this is you know she's screwball com- comedian and she's just you know messing around but throughout the entire movie it just got a little bit stale it's like oh it's okay See, it's still going on I, I there's would, still a leopard on the loose i would actually say i had the opposite like thing of it like i couldn't stand her character at the beginning and by the end i admit i i kind of like 
I, I feel like it was almost like a slow burner of a film when it all finally culminated in the jail. I actually laughed. There were a lot of funny parts in that, but it took me a really long time to warm up to her. She just, I, I don't know. It, it, I didn't find her charming and I found her to actually be the worst part of this movie. Oh man. And 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 actually, <laughs> and I felt like for both of them, I felt like this is not the Cary Grant that I want to see. This guy was yeah. Uh, a yeah. pushover, a weakling. He's not, he wasn't very charming. Yeah. Uh, you know, I want to see, I want to, I don't, I want to see Cary Grant from his girl Friday or from North by Northwest. I, this is not, you know, and this, I, and this, I is, agree. this I is another think thing too. Ass. Well, yeah, but also like, this is kind of the same style he did for Arsenic and Old Lace, which I don't like either. I don't like the kind of super zaniness like that. Uh, but again, having said that, again, as the movie went on, I did start to find it funnier. Um, I, I, I even like the, the part where, uh, the ant comes to the door and he's in the robe and he's like, I just suddenly felt like being gay. And he jumps up and that just, I didn't, that, that line surprised me. I didn't expect that line to come from, and I know it means different than it does now, but it, it just, it felt like a very modern line. It just kind of got me off guard and made me crack up. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, but, but again, I just, I felt like these, these two actors, they went on to do the Philadelphia story. And in that movie, I feel like their characters are similar, but they're more grounded and more toned down. And I like I appreciated their performances more in the Philadelphia story, if that makes sense. This one was just cranked up way too high for me. Kelly's being yeah. pretty silent on this. I don't know where she stands on this. I so I find this conversation very funny and amusing because I think these are the two camps about this movie. Like Topher, I love the way that you described it. And that is the people who agree with that way of thinking about it are the reason why this movie is a classic screwball, because there are so many people who who love it and find it so charming. And then there's it's just one of those movies that there is no I mean, Mark, maybe you're an exception to this, but there's almost no middle ground. Like you either really love it or you really hate it. And I actually, I agree with Charles on this one. Yes. I can't, I just, and I, and I, and I hate that I, I, not that I hate you. I hate that you agree with me. Wait, don't take it back. (laughs) Just enjoy the moment, people. No, no, not that I hate to disagree with you or to agree with you, but I, I really want to like this movie for all of those reasons you described, Topher, because I love your description. I, 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 you've described a movie that if I watched that description, I would be enthralled with it. But I just, that's just, I just can't do it. She is such a flipperty gibbet in this movie. Like there, and there's, so, and I, I definitely agree, Charles, with what you're saying about um, this isn't either of their most charming um not roles i guess but performances but, yeah well i guess but but Cary grant like he did a lot of movies like this he was sort of he did a lot of hitchcock and he did a lot of movies where he was a little more toned down but he did so many like this where he was in this insane fictional world where he was kind of the straight man and he was just doing Jim Halpert faces at the camera the entire time and everybody around him is doing what um god knows what was he was which main west movie was he in was it um she done him wrong was that the one he was in yeah he was in that one and I'm no angel yeah 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 and I felt like he I don't know I felt like he was kind of in between somewhat on this he wasn't he, he was more toned down but still pretty silly in that one yeah yeah 
it's it's just like this is kind of a characteristic of a lot of screwballs too where nobody these plots can happen because nobody lets anybody else finish a sentence you know there's all this mistaken yes information because everyone just talks over everyone else and that's why it's funny because you know everyone's like and everybody just like but it's it 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 grates on my nerves and Catherine that's part of why i don't like Catherine hepburn's character in this is because she just plows ahead and well and i maybe now that you're saying that i actually 100 agree uh that that's part of what turned me off right at the beginning because that happens Right away with the the golf, you know, their their plan, and she keeps you know hitting his ball. Uh, That just drove me nuts. And maybe it's an introverted thing because it takes energy to speak, and we're like, (gasps) I I feel like maybe I I was just drained. Like every word he couldn't get out. Um, Maybe so. Maybe that's part of what it is for me uh, on a personal level. Um, Another thing about this movie that I did not like was the um, the role of his fiance. The she was totally inconsequential. She shows up yeah. for a brief bit at the end to tell him, oh, he showed his true colors. She can't possibly marry him. It's like a get out of jail card because clearly you wanted to go with Catherine Hepburn at that point for who knows why. Um, but <laughs> but it just it felt like, you know, that's it's that's one of those. That's a problem I have with romantic comedies in general. They always uh, even to, even modern ones. They have to always make the fiance kind of a goofball or have some problem that gets them out of that relationship. You know, like Sleepless in Seattle. Poor mm-hmm. Bill Pullman. He's, you know, he has to be allergic to everything. And, and just, you know, even if he's a nice guy, he's just got his, his big problem. He can't possibly gel with her life. And that's, you know, and maybe that started with this movie. I'm not sure. But it, it just it felt just like they wrote her off. And and all of a sudden it's like, oh, OK, he's, you know. Yeah, it felt it felt like a really contrived setup where it's like he clearly doesn't need to be in a relationship with this with this girl so it'll be okay when Catherine Hepburn enters the scene right because it's like my note at the beginning was this is not how marriages work because right. she's told him like no we, we won't have a honeymoon you, you have to be all in on your work and you know this this like that's not that's not how any of that works you can't just tell your spouse that we're not going to have a honeymoon in front of somebody else while you're building a dinosaur bone it's also not how paleontology works by the way but yeah (laughs) to be clear this is so not my kind of movie i just like katherine hepburn like the way that she delivers some lines in this movie are fantastic like when he's like we have to get out of this apartment she's like are you kidding i've signed a lease like that line just that, that way and the way she delivers it is fantastic i like that but I, I agree. There's I a lot of really wit- there's a lot of wit- witty banter that I did like, like a lot of quick throwaway right. jokes. I, I appreciate that. I really did. I'm not. It, it's yeah. just. <sighs> and, and again, I think that that popcorn aspect of it, I enjoy. But everything you guys are saying about like, well, this character's thinly written and this person's not being used to the best of their, you know, all that's I agree with all of that. It's not like this is like my number one movie or anything. It's just. <laughs> I think she's charming and I think yeah. it's funny enough to be palatable and enjoyable and whatever, but it's like, I don't know. well, you know, you know what would have made this a better movie in my opinion, in my humble opinion is if she was the, the millionaire. It, Cause that's what I thought I had seen coming at in the golf scene was that yeah. she was the one who was going to donate the money. I thought that as well. Yeah, yeah. Me too. And yeah, this no, was an act better. that she was putting on, but, but it didn't turn out to be that she turned out to be, to put the screwball in screwball comedy. Yeah. would have been better. 
Yes. For sure. All right. So uh, we're going to do the next movie. Uh, let's see. Which is going to... It's His Girl Friday, and I'm going to read the synopsis. Uh, let's see. This is another Cary Grant movie. Oh. You know what's funny is I had it pulled up and then all of a sudden I didn't. Okay, there it goes. Uh, another very short one here. Uh, a newspaper editor uses every trick in the book to keep his ace reporter ex-wife from remarrying. So, here is the trailer. From the Columbia Studios in Hollywood comes an exciting new film triumph. A companion hit to Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. His Girl Friday. Co-starring a thrilling new pair of screen lovers. Devil May Care, Cary Grant, and ravishing Rosalind Russell. Let's listen in to one of their tender, idyllic love scenes. I am fond of you, you know. And a girl? I often wish you weren't such a stinker. His Girl Friday from 1940. And is it just me or why is it called His Girl Friday? Do we ever learn that in the movie? I actually was Did wondering that. that. Is, is it just because uh, I, the, the way I took it was that it's the fiance's girl that Friday. But by the next day, it's going to be back to. That's the way I took it. I don't uh, know. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. It's his girl for Friday. Maybe. I, I don't I don't know. Maybe I'm way off on that. That's the way I took it. 
I I have never known the answer to that, but um, when we were watching it, Zach actually was like, oh, I think it's a reference to, or it's like a line from Robinson Crusoe. Oh. Um, where he, like, he saves some guy who's down on his luck and, uh, you know, literally saves his life. And so he he becomes his man and, like, does anything for him. And he's kind of his his right-hand guy, his, not his servant exactly, but, like, his his person that he can count on for anything who helps him get all his crap done. And so he calls him his man Friday. I forget. I don't know why. I don't know if his name was Friday or or, so I think that's, that's that's like a play on words kind of thing. Well, that was, that was also just a thing, right? Like a girl Friday is like an assistant. Is it just like, yeah, that's just like, I mean, just Google it, Google it. I mean, it's just like girl Friday is just somebody you call your assistant who runs errands for you or like, it's it's a trusted assistant basically. Cool. I just I learned something today. I learned a lot then, yeah, because yeah. I'm just overthinking yeah. it. All right, cool. So, what'd you guys think? Well, I like the Robinson Crusoe thing. That's good too. Yeah. <laughs> I think this movie was the most fun to watch. It had the it had the best kind of forward momentum to it with the plot and the absurdity and the the character building with Hildy. She was really great, and I loved how everybody uh, reacted to her coming in. It really showed how loved she was and they did a good job on that in the film mm-hmm. out of the list this was my favorite by far um it happened when i would probably be my second favorite but i love this movie this is the that really fast rat-a-tat-tat dialogue i mean you talked about overlapping dialogue like this is definitely that and it's that transatlantic accent i just i don't know i just i really love that you have to like we had to put on captions just to be able to capture everything because it goes so fast and people talk over each other. And like that scene you just saw in the trailer where the 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 fiance is trying to talk to her while she's on the phone and Carrie Grant's talking to someone else. And it's just they're all three having these really funny conversations, especially if you listen to what Carrie Grant tells people on the phone. And any one of those is like great dialogue, but they just throw them all on top of each other and whip it up in a big Sunday and see what happens. And it's just, it's, well, but I love yeah, it. Cause the cool thing about that scene is that what Carrie Grant says answers what she is saying to her fiance at, at points. Yes, it does. It's, it's, yeah. it's, and so that not only is the dialogue really great and sharp, but it's, that's well acted and well timed comedically and, and it, it flows, you know, I really liked it. I, I like that moment when it's one of those phone conversations with, or, or no, no, he's, I forget if he's on the phone or if his director or like walks in, but Cary Grant, um, her, her, her fiance has just left and he's like, who was that guy? Um, and Cary Grant describes him. He's like, Oh, he looks like that guy from the movies, Ralph Bellamy. Yes. Like it is. And it is Ralph Bellamy. (laughs) And so I thought that was kind of a funny little meta thing. And there's another part later on where he's talking about old Archie Leach and that's Cary Grant's real name. Yeah. So, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of really witty things in there like that, and 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 especially uh, we talk about modern movies and one that that's what helps make it feel fresh and alive. That kind of winking to the audience knowingly kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's it, you know it's another one of those that's way ahead of its time. I really really liked it. This is the Cary Grant that I like. This this kind of you know he's very charming very confident guy, but also very funny um, without mm. being so over the top and silly. He's, yeah. you know, everything he does is funny in their dialogue. And um, even when she's trying to kick him and she kicks the, the waiter by accident, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that, you know, it was really just cracking me up the entire movie. And Rosalind Russell, she, I mean, she is in my eyes in direct contrast to Catherine Hepburn's her- character in bringing up baby. You know, she is, 
definitely not a flipperty gibbet. She is a self-contained woman. She's smart. She's she's funny. She's sexy. She can hang. She can, you know, she just she's in, she's the best in the biz, and and Cary Grant knows it, and he's got to keep her. And um, you know, she she lives. She does, she's not all about domesticity, and and um, she just. I don't know. She's she's into her career. She wants to live life adventurously. And I, I don't know. She's just so cool. And it feels so effortless. Well, she's on par with Cary Grant. That's what I really mm-hmm. like, too. It's that it's that battle of the sexes because they're both capable of cheating and twisting things around and outsmarting the other one. But they're they're on the level. They're equal because she she knows what's coming. That's why she has her fiance put the check in his hat and. You know, I, I really like that banter. There's a lot because not only is put them on the on the same level, which is again, I think that I think of more modern films when I think of that. Um, but it also gives a lot of good backstory because you can tell they really know each other and they they really did love each other at one point. So um, it, it's just so well done. I really really enjoyed it. And um, we were talking. This is a Howard Hawks movie, and he also did Bringing Up Baby. So uh, it's. It's very interesting, um, the performances that he was able to capture, and these are both considered classic screwball movies, and they're so different. Mm-hmm. So, anything else, guys, on that one, or do we want to move on to the Philadelphia story? The only I thing that I would say, I, oh, I really ahead, like sorry. the, I like the ending to this movie because it's, I was not sure how it was going to end with, with Hildy's character, and she ended up realizing that he loved her when she thought he wasn't going to do something unscrupulous to stop her from going, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Like he thought yeah. she, he, she thought he wasn't going to bring himself to a low level and realize he did. And that was like the perfect ending in this kind of absurd screwball world that that was an absurd ending. And I think it, it really matched. Yeah. Yeah. I, like I said, this movie, it's just funny. I, I mean, my wife and I were watching it and we were both like laughing out loud at several parts um, it's it's very good. Um, all right. So well, Philadelphia story. Who's doing the synopsis for that one? Well, there was Topher wanted to say something. Oh, I'm sorry, Topher. Oh, did we yeah, cut you I'm, off? I didn't mean to. No, 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 no. It's okay. The only thing I was going to say, and this is very tangential because I have not seen His Girl Friday, so y'all forgive me for that. Um, but uh, as you guys are describing it, I'm sitting here thinking like this sounds like something that would have been very formative for like a young Robert Altman to have seen with the overlapping snappy dialogue and people yeah. like I'm sitting here thinking like, Oh, you guys are describing mash. And by the <laughs> way, how did no Robert Altman movies end up on a screwball comedy list? Like it just, I, okay. So know. this, you know, we, there's not an exact science to this, right? Like we were, we just were throwing out movies and whittling it down, whittling it down, whittling it down kind of thing. So um, that's why some of the movies ended up on here that they that did. So, um, and again, this is a, uh, in some way, I wanted to make sure that we put movies that, you know, I wanted a mixture. I wanted some that I thought we would probably think were bad and ugly and so on and so on, um, rather than just a bunch of classics, too. So, and at least that's that was what my intention was, but we're not necessarily all agreeing on these, so it doesn't matter anyway. Um, well, we never do anyway, so. I know, I know, but there, yeah. <laughs> Surprise. All right. <laughs> uh. I think it's, is it you, Mark, Philadelphia Story? Yes. Okay. The Philadelphia Story, 1940. When a rich woman's ex-husband and a tabloid-type reporter turn up just before her planned marriage, she begins to learn the truth about herself. Okay. Here's the trailer. 
Afraid of that look. The withering glance of the goddess. I didn't think that alcohol would do. Oh, shut up. <laughs> Dinah, stay here. Oh, please, Mother. Maybe he's going to soccer again. It's what everybody feels about you. It's what I first worshipped you for from afar. George, listen. First, now, and always. Only from a little nearer now. Hey, darling? I don't want to be worshipped. I. I want to be loved. Someday over the rainbow, way up high. What is this, Connor? Oh, easy, easy, old man. She's not hurt? No, no. Not wounded, sir, but dead. Seems the minute she hit the water, the wine hit her. Now, look here, Connor. A likely story, Connor. Hello, Dexter. Hello, George. Hello, Mike. <laughs> you have a good mind, a pretty face, a disciplined body that does what you tell it. You have everything that it takes to make a lovely woman except the one essential, an understanding heart. And without that, you might just as well be made of bronze. And the night that you got drunk on champagne and climbed out on the roof and stood there naked with your arms out to the moon, wailing like a banshee. I told you I never had the slightest recollection of doing any such thing. What in the name of all that's holy am I to do? Tracy. Yes, Mike. Oh, Parson, Parson, he's never seen Kittredge before, has he? Now, look, I got you into this thing, and I'll get you out of it. Will you marry me, Tracy? That is the Philadelphia story with Catherine Hepburn, Cary Grant, and Danny DeVito. <laughs> Which, if you're wondering, it's because we were having that conversation during the trailer. Like, Mark, Mark out of the blue, said he wished that Danny DeVito was in this movie. We, we could figure out if he meant as a little no. boy or no. We as said we, I made the I made the Always Sunny in Philadelphia joke. 
It's a Philadelphia story always sunny. Then I said, Danny DeVito should have been in it anyway. Let's move on. <laughs> Went, just so, flew completely over my head. <laughs> like, so to me, this is the most like nuanced uh, movie of the bunch where, where Catherine Hepburn gets a chance to shine. And we really see like a three-dimensional character out of her, this Southern Belle that's really being trapped by all these constraints put on her. Uh, that's my that's my uh, thirty second summary. Nuance to like uh, Batman and Robin <laughs> Schwarzenegger's <Yeah>. performance. <laughs> that's what I'm uh, fond yeah. of saying. Oh um, no! <laughs> no 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 no. Uh, but I, I I agree with you. I I liked her performance a lot in this. Um, I I don't know that I love the movie, especially not as much as the other ones on this list. I don't think it's anywhere near His Girl Friday or It Happened One Night. Um, and, and, but I, I did like her performance and the way she went and, and I, I liked, the, I, I liked the kind of harshness of it at points too. Like her dad was very direct, very harsh. Um, and that was kind of an interesting scene and it was a sign of the times. Like he was blaming her for his infidelity, which is weird. Um, mm-hmm. but then it, it, it felt like they just wrapped it up at the very end where he said one quick thing to her and it was like, suddenly everything's forgiven. And it's like, eh. but I liked the dialogue. Well, I felt like it was very very edgy especially for that time and uh yeah, can, and how she she wanted to be loved and not worshipped mm-hmm. can we hover over that for a second because that was the one real like cringy moment of the movie where i think a lot of it holds up um like today but that like like you said the father was blaming her for not being a loving enough daughter and saying oh when a man doesn't have a loving enough daughter he seeks that love elsewhere which is horrible and that scene really really was there's no other word for it horrible but they almost seem like there's an ambiguity with did he actually cheat on his wife with the dancer or not because at at first he kind of denied it and if that's true then she was jumping to conclusions and he he has a point but if it's not true like did he actually do we do we assume he actually cheated on his wife with the i mean they never confirmed it they just they just kind of threw it away with it after that scene really i i thought he did that's how i've read it Okay, I wasn't but honestly. I wasn't sure because you're right. He never directly said he did. The mom didn't ever want to talk about it. Um, right. So yeah, which, which is all realistic to the time, but yeah. But. And you know, and as far as cringeworthy scenes, um, the opening scene was kind of cringeworthy, where Cary Grant, like you know, balled up his fist like he was going to punch her, and, and then pushed her down. Like I was like, oh, here we go. This is. The- this is the big scene here, and, and, you know, and look, and then they, they, you know, they mentioned, you know, did he knock her out? You know, luckily that was like, that was the one and the father speech that were cringeworthy to me in this movie, but the rest of it felt pretty modern. Um, you know, the odd thing is, uh, James Stewart, uh, he's the one that won an Academy Award for this movie. And I, I, his character was my least favorite. So that's kind of interesting. I think, I don't know what you guys thought of him. I like his character in this. I I really like this movie, honestly. This is one of my favorite movies. Um, I think so many... I mean, I agree with what you're saying about those scenes, but like everything else to me works really, really well. Um, and it's a beautifully shot movie. Like when you're watching... Like there are so many times when I'm watching it and I just... And you, could, you could almost pause on any still frame and just blow it up and frame it above your mantle. You know, the the... the all of her gowns just like 
made your eyes fall out of your head. They were so beautiful. And um, just there was all the sparkling dialogue. And I think it's really interesting how the movie, at least so when you're watching it, you you kind of hope and assume like, oh, she's this is going to be a romance between Catherine Hepburn and Jimmy Stewart. And the scene where they like drink all the champagne and stay out all night. And then there's like the, oh, did they, didn't they the next morning? Like I, I found all that really charming and um, yeah, I, I don't know. But you, you spend all this time like rooting for them to get together, but then it still works somehow when she ends the way that it ends. I guess that's kind of. I, I agree bit. to an um, extent, like, cause you do, you are happy with, with what happened and, but at the same time, it did felt kind of like misdirection, right? Like they were kind of wanting these. It felt like the movie is very much wanting these two to get together. I don't know. Yeah. Her and Dexter or? No, her and uh, I, I can't think of Jimmy Stewart's character, but. Mike? Yeah. It, it felt like they really wanted them to get together because he seemed like he didn't worship her. Like he was exactly what she wanted. Yeah. So I, I don't well, know. I was a little mixed on that myself. I assumed they were trying to subvert our expectations because I assumed from the beginning that it was going to be her and Cary Grant getting back together. Uh, and then the whole Jimmy Stewart thing threw a whole wrench in the works for me. I was surprised by that that scene where they were dancing around the fountain and, and kissed. And then I was like, oh, the, like I saw them kind of setting that up. But I was like, they're not going to go in this direction. And then when it happened, I thought, oh, this is a this. That's why I said nuanced, and it almost seems like it was based on a novel, even though it was based on a Broadway play. This seems like it could be; it seems more novelistic in its like in its storyline of I don't know all three of these these men and her their interactions with Catherine Hepburn. Mm-hmm. So I kind I just kind of liked it. I was I, it kept me guessing a little bit. Like I assumed Cary Grant was they were going to get back together at the end, but I I liked what they did because I hadn't expected it. Yeah. And like I didn't expect it either. Like I really didn't. I really, yeah. It just it surprised me. I feel like they. I guess thinking about it more, they they had to, not had to, but they they the whole thing with her and Mike about how he did, um, he didn't think she he thought she was made of flesh and blood, not the golden, not not made of bronze or whatever. Their whole thing that they repeated was, um, but it, having Mike feel that way it seems kind of open Dexter's eyes to that as well. And then because of their relationship and her kind of indiscretions with him, she realized about herself that she, you know, was vulnerable to to the human faults. And then Dexter saw that she was vulnerable and she saw that she's, you know, he saw that she saw. And so it it kind of enabled them to get back together. Yeah, I, I could definitely see that. Um, uh, yeah, it, I, I could definitely see that. And I like that Cary Grant was kind of behind the scenes, like manipulating things in his favor, too, even if it was, you know, helping one man. I don't know. It felt like that could have gone a lot of ways, too. Like, was he helping Jimmy Stewart because he wanted her to be happy or was he helping him for his own, you know, plan to get back? So I liked all that. Um, and you and I were talking, Kelly, you and I were talking um, about how the the character is very much like the character and it happened one night, kind of a spoiled um lady that you know with questionable relationship with her father and uh doesn't always feel loved and wants to be on her own and strong and independent you know and that so part of me wonders if that's kind of one of the 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 story points of these screwball comedies you know that kind of thing if it helps to have that is it is it a 
like a financial social thing? Is it like high class versus low class? You know what I mean? Is that, is that an aspect of these movies at any point? Yeah. I mean, it's certainly a common theme. Yeah. In a lot of them for sure. Yeah. All right. Next one, guys. I think if, if you guys are done talking about that one, we can move on to Paula fire. <laughs> Everybody now. Everybody. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. All right. Gracious. All right. Ball of fire. 1941. A group of, a group of professors working on a new encyclopedia encounter a mouthy nightclub singer who is wanted by the police to help bring down her mob boss lover. All right. And here is the trailer. Great educators throughout the world have been forced to streamline our dictionaries and encyclopedias because of the demands of modern slang. Selected to perform this Herculean task of rewriting these ponderous volumes of knowledge is Professor Bertram Potts, who knows nothing about the subject of slang. This is research, isn't it? Yes. Certainly. Who is that guy learned so much from watching an apple drop? Isaac Newton, the law of gravity. Yeah, that's him. And I want you to look at me as another apple, Professor Potts. Just another apple. I'm going to show you what yum yum is. Here's yum. Here's the other yum. And here's yum yum. And that was a ball of fire, which none of us except Kelly have seen. <laughs> Kelly, go. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll keep it short and sweet. But this movie is highly ridiculous. It's very, very silly. But I, it has the secret sauce for me. I would not say it's ugly. I really think it's good. It, and okay. So in in trying to convince somebody to watch this with me, um, I had no idea how hard it would be. For people to find and, and Charles was like where in the heck can I watch this movie yeah because you like, can't you can't rent it online anywhere like <laughs> yeah and and I don't understand that at all I, I have I had it on DVD and in my mind like I mean it was directed by Howard Hawks it stars Gary Cooper and Barbara Stanwyck it was written by Billy Wilder it has 7.8 stars on IMDb like what and There's... she was nominated for an Oscar for it yeah like I, I truly don't understand I don't know why why you can't find this, but, um, but Kelly, I've got a surprise for you. <laughs> you do? That, 
I watched it. I've seen it with you. <laughs> yeah. You did! Yes. Yay! So, this is the... Ah. Kelly. So, when I told Kelly that I couldn't find it anywhere, um, uh, and I really wanted to see it, uh, she sent it as a gift for me. She just surprised me with it, right? But it, it kept not being here, and it finally arrived today, and I watched it today <laughs> right before the podcast, and uh, uh, I believe it's... Uh, if you guys can see that, it's uh, Korean characters... <laughs> On the back of the case, I have no idea. And even though it says four by three, it was like it was formatted uh, for sixteen by nine, so it just cropped off the top and bottom, and it was really, really interesting uh, experience. So I have I have watched it, and uh, yeah. Well, okay. Is yours not? Is yours not cropped off, Kelly? No, mine looks completely normal. So I wonder, I did wonder if it was my settings on my player for a DVD, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe. We'll no. see. It just, it was. I don't know. I was like, but I've watched it. I've seen it. Well, that stinks. Well, I, I am so excited. I, man, I thought, I, I thought that the postal service had failed you and me both. So, um, do you want me, do you, which. Go ahead. Let's have a discussion. Let's have a discussion. Since we're the only two people on earth that have seen this movie. <laughs> do people on earth okay well i just i really love it anyone who's watching this now knows that i have mad love for barbara stanwick um i just it's kind of it's they they call it a a retelling of the snow white and the seven dwarves tale and it i mean it is i just it is so stinking cute i i I was very charmed by all the elderly bachelors working on the encyclopedia who kind of fell in paternal love with with um, Barbara Stanwyck's character, Sugar Puss O'Shea, for themselves. <laughs> and <laughs> Gary Cooper is delightfully um, wait, awkward. Wait, wait, awkward. Her, wait. What's her name? <laughs> her, name <laughs> her name is Sh- <laughs> Sugar Puss O'Shea. Sounds like a James Bond hey. girl. <laughs> yes. Okay, just checking. All right, I'm going to mute my microphone again. Okay, sorry. <laughs> she is a gangster's mall in this film. And uh, Dana Andrews plays Joe Lilac, her boyfriend. And um, yeah, it's a, it's a very ridiculous premise, but I just, I, I just don't know. It, it, Charles, what what do you think about it? Am I out alone, out on the limb here, or did you? Like you know, it? You, when you told me it was a bizarre movie, I was, you know, that's what I was expecting. In truth, I didn't find it that bizarre. I liked it. Really, I, I liked Yay! it. I, and I didn't, I didn't think it was that weird of a plot. Like I, the the Snow White thing is. You'll have to correct me on this, but the only thing I saw that was similar was that there are seven professors <laughs> and there's not even seven there's eight i w- th- yeah. i don't really i don't really get that but but in terms of that i actually really liked it uh i'm as you know i mean i have a you were saying the other day that you have kind of a blind spot when it comes to like movies of the 70s and 80s i'm that way with a lot of the 30s and 40s and um especially like pre-code movies and all that and and i'm especially that way with gary cooper like i have not seen a lot of his movies mm-hmm. so this was a Apparently, this was a character that's way off from what he normally plays. It's it's very it's very different. But I, I found it. I really enjoyed his character. I felt like it was because I, I don't. You know, I was I was queuing up the trailer, so I can't actually remember what you were saying in the synopsis a second ago. If you covered this, but it's I know you mentioned the part with the encyclopedia. That's the whole thing. It's these men have been they're shut off from the rest of the world for like nine years working on an encyclopedia, uh, and they're just to the letter S. As far as <laughs> subjects go, 
And so, and, but there's a lot of, even that, uh, that there's a lot of jokes in here that I, I just can't believe we're in there. Like one of the guys is talking about, he's just getting to sex and he, you know, and he, he has to, he wants to go out and investigate that himself. And it, there's a lot of little funny, like, you know, mm-hmm. innuendos in there. Um, but, but I actually really, they all kind of grew to be really charming. Um, the, right. the professors and, and Gary Cooper's especially when he, he's, because he's trying to figure out different slang terms that that they use in modern New York, um, <laughs> you know. During the when the trailer was playing, you know, you guys saw that it, it said something about her gams, and Mark was like, "What are gams?" And it's like, "Well, it's, <laughs> it's her legs in this movie, and it is it's sugar puss, and uh, and oh, all these different." I'll things. tell you when I'm older, son. Yeah, <laughs> when you're older, son. Yeah, and there, and um, and yum yum and all that stuff. Uh, there's and, and so it's it in a way. You would think that might date this movie with some of the slang they use, but it actually kind of makes it feel more modern because it gives us, the audience, someone that doesn't necessarily know a lot of these 30s and 40s slang to kind of reconnect in there and get into that world. Um, that's, that's a good point. And so I really, I really actually enjoy that aspect of it. Um, and she uh, is is going, she she's, uh, she, she knows something about a gangster and so she's going to marry the gangster so that she doesn't have to testify against him. And, and I like the gangster character. I, I liked his performance. I liked the dialogue. It was really witty. I, um, <laughs> there's just, it is charming. There's a lot of charm to it. And yeah, I didn't particularly find it that bizarre. I really didn't. And, and this is also one of the movies that I don't know if I consider it a true screwball comedy. Um, really? You don't think so? How, why not? Uh, because uh, it's it's more about the romance. It's more of the romantic comedy aspect. Um, and they're not... I don't really consider the professor and her equal. It's uh, it's more about the uh, the typical what's become cliche where they, they can't tell the truth about themselves yet. And they're having to, you know, kind of lie their way through it. And they eventually fall in love. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we see that a ton today, right? But uh, uh, so... I just don't see it as being in the same style as like the the battle of the sexes, like in His Girl Friday, or it happened one night. Not to say yeah. that's not a knock against the movie. I just don't consider that type of comedy. So I mean, maybe our definition isn't broad enough. I'm maybe. not sure. Yeah, maybe not. Um, I, I could see that. That's fair. Um, but I really I, did enjoy it. I, it's got some really snappy dialogue, and uh, yeah, I, yeah, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Was your heart not warmed when, because you, so, um, well, okay, and kind of to your point too, like, Joe Lilac, the character, I'm not going to say he's as complex as Thanos, but, like, he's kind of one of those types of villains that you, he's not, you don't hate him. No. Like, he, he... He seems to really care about her. Uh, he's he, he treats Gary Cooper with good humor up to a certain point, and then he's like, "All right, well, you're kind of getting in my way now. I'm gonna have to gonna have to bust this up." But but yeah, I mean, I, I think he's a good villain. Um, yeah, I, I thought that performance was really good. Like that that surprised me. That wasn't just this cheesy two dimensional villain at all. You know, he act, there was depth to him. Uh, mm-hmm. You understood what he was trying to do, and. Uh, Again, the performance was fantastic. Um, the, all of them, all of them did a really good job. You know, mm-hmm. it's 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 a it's a shame that this movie seems to have just fallen away, like with time. I, I, like no one knows about this movie. Yeah. 
So I know I, I, that is sad. I mean, I hope somehow that changes. Yeah, I mean, if it, and, and even though the back has the the Korean characters on it, so <laughs> however this movie is made, it pops up. It's English, like it, and and the okay. and the it, the only languages that you can choose are English and Spanish. So I have no idea, like. <laughs> I don't know, you know, and and it, and like I said, maybe it was my player um, that I I couldn't that the aspect ratio just wasn't working right. Um, mm. But you know, other than that, like I thought the transfer looked fine, and and then like the, the dialogue popped up right away, like mm-hmm. in English. I was like, okay, cool. Don't even have to because there are, there are some movies like uh, if you ever order movies from other countries, and you know, sometimes you have to switch it to this a different language to get it to play in English or whatnot. But, yeah. But this was not one of them, so I don't know the origins of this movie. Nor do I, but I am just happy that it found its way to you and that you did watch it. I'm really happy you loved it. I I was hoping it wasn't just me. Yeah, and like I said, I just I, I I was expecting really I was expecting an ugly movie. I was expecting it to be so bad and so <laughs> bizarre that but it wasn't. It, it's just it's not. It's it's charming and 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 again, part of that may be that I don't know enough about Gary Cooper. To know, like, it's kind of like when I when I saw Guardians of the Galaxy, the the first one, and I hadn't really seen Chris Pratt because at that point I hadn't watched uh, Parks and Rec, so I didn't know him as this like idiot character, this goofball guy, and so I really liked his performance in the Guardians of the Galaxy, and I took it I took it more seriously than someone that could only see the goofiness, right? So yeah. I feel like that's probably how I'm coming into this one, where it's like I don't know, I have. N- you know, I don't know anything about Gary Cooper. I, I know he's played cowboys, <laughs> uh, but I don't know much about him outside of that. So I just see him as this professor guy that's like been shelled up in the world for nine years. And, you know, so, you know, to that point, I do wonder a lot of these movies before we make the like 70 year jump to the next two movies. <laughs> um, how many of the decisions because you know you're at a point when hollywood was a machine right where it wasn't like this wasn't being run by artists trying to like make the best creation they were they were making products to sell and so when you look at some of these you know like philadelphia story you have this added and bringing up baby and were they trying to just recapture lightning to make something that was going to be profitable again and then in ball of fire you have barbara stanwick who i I haven't seen it obviously like no one has but (laughs) you you guys mentioned that she's like the girlfriend of a mob boss kind of situation well she's like in the quintessential film noir so has she been pegged as like she has this aura of organized crime kind of around like does she i don't know i'm just throwing out like it's possible that any of this stuff is i know you haven't you haven't watched it but we did an episode on barbara stanwick um what do you call them? Wickheads, Kelly? Kelly Wickheads. is a huge uh, Barbara Stanwyck fan, so she can probably yes. answer all those questions. She probably can answer the questions then. I'm just throwing it out. I'm like <laughs> looking, I'm like seeing connections, and I'm wondering, like, I wonder if that was, that doesn't seem accidental. Is that possible? But, like, I don't know. Maybe it was. Yeah. It It is interesting. I, I mean, I, I feel like Gary Cooper, I mean, he was known for playing a lot of very serious roles, especially later on. I mean, he was in a lot of Westerns. He was in some more movies and um, just things like that. He was in the Fountainhead, and he played Lou Gehrig, and um, all these things. So, but 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 in the '30s, he did do a few, a good handful of movies similar to this, where he's kind of a lovable, awkward, um, 
just average Joe, you know what I mean? But um, and another example of that would be Mr. Deeds Goes to Town, which which Adam Sandler remade into just Mr. Deeds um, a few years back. And then he did, what was it? He did another movie with uh, Barbara Stanwyck called um, Meet John Doe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yep. Which is kind of to your point, Topher, where they, they put him back up, team him back up almost immediately. Yeah, I guess like an equivalent to that would be like the like Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks kind of thing or something. Like, yeah, or or just Scorsese and De Niro. Like, oh, these guys work well together. Like, just <laughs> keep throwing them together. You know, like. But I guess that's different now. Though I, I guess my point being that back then it was such a machine. You've got to wonder how much these character actors enjoyed playing these parts, or how much of it was just like, oh, you're that character, so that's what you do from now on, and like. You know, you're contracted to Warner Brothers, so you don't have a choice, and that's just what you do forever. So, yeah. man, that's so bleak to end this. This is a good movie, guys. <laughs> well, <laughs> thanks, Topher. <laughs> to, Sorry, to, it's what I do. <laughs> to take that and just put a little bit of happy spin on it, I definitely think you are correct. And they 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 take something that they're trying to recapture that lightning, and they run with it for a while. But Barbara Stanwyck is one of those ladies who did absolutely everything so like she was in the quintessential film noir but she was also in a decent amount of these screwball companies she was in westerns she was in um a movie about asian appropriation she was in what she's in all like romances tearjerkers wait what (laughs) which movie was that um it's called the bitter tea of general yen so if you ever I know it well. come <laughs> that one's going to be harder to find than ball of fire. I thought Marlon Brando was in that movie. Oh my gosh! Oh no! Wait, right. what's that movie? What's the one with where uh, Marlon Brando's it... playing? A, a is he playing Japanese or something? A, a Japanese yes. soldier? Not a soldier, but uh, I forget what it's called. I can picture it in my head. I don't remember what it's, it's something with T in the title, and he's playing. He's playing it's... like the interpreter for the American soldiers, I believe. Let me see. I got to carry on. I'm going to anyway. find out. Uh, well, carry on. You're, you're 50% of the <laughs> yeah, people who've seen yeah, this you movie. You can't throw out the bitter tea of General Yin. Like, how can you? You can't just throw that out. Like, I can't carry this movie on my own. I've said all I need to say. Um, wow. Uh, that was a Frank Capra movie, for crying out loud. The bitter tea of General Yin. I've never was it really? that movie. Yeah. What's yeah. the Marlon Brando movie? That's the one I want to know. I, um, I'm searching. Anyway, (laughs) anyway, uh, I guess my point being, though, it's interesting to see that these characters or these actors continue to play these characters and not to be bleak, because for all we know, they loved every second of it. Right. Yeah. But it was a lot of money. Well, is it is it not is it not unlike like with Disney and the Marvel movies? Right. Exactly. Like Robert Downey Jr. has got to be sick of being Iron Man. Like, well, that's why he's not playing him anymore. (laughs) Well, I'm just saying like he can't go. That's all he'll ever be now, though. Like he never gets. I mean, no one's ever going to remember him as anything other than that and Tropic Thunder, you know, but it's not quite the same, I guess. Just quickly, I found I found the title. It is the Tea House of the August Moon. There you go. That's the Brando one. Yes. (laughs) And he wait, is he really? Do you say yellow face? Like, what is he, does he I think dress I, up as a... He like, is. He's. I think he's the interpreter uh, for the... It, it's. Is, I don't know which war it is. 
Is it World War II? Uh, two. Back then, it was just good acting to. <laughs> but he is. He's, racialize he, yourself. He's, he, uh, he's he's dressed up. He's he, he's dressed up to be like a translator for the army that comes through, and he's mm-hmm. he's the one telling them all about the different ceremonies because I think the I forget what they're trying to do, and he's the one trying to like negotiate it between the two. Well, Why they did it. They did it with breakfast at Tiffany's. That's what I was about to say. That's literally what I was about to say. It is sadly not uncommon. It's just funny that they put people who are known. It would be one thing if it was just like, oh, here's some random dude, like dress him up. But it's like, oh, Marlon Brando. Perfect. He looks Asian. No, I, no, I think like, I think he fought for the role. I think he really wanted. Of course he did. Of course he did. <laughs> Much Lunatic, like Robert man. Downey Jr. in Topic Thunder. Topic Thunder. Yes. All right. Okay. Let's move on. Guys. Okay. He did it. All right. So the next one is intolerable cruelty. <laughs> Yes, and the synopsis is a beautiful gold digger matches wits with the shrewd Beverly Hills divorce lawyer who is increasingly attracted to her. All right, here's the trailer. Please sit. Relax. Consider this office your office. Now, sir, tell me your troubles. Well... (laughs) Come to Papa. Come on now. My wife has me between a rock and a hard place. That's her job. You should respect that. Sounds like to me. You gonna nail his... When a marriage hits the skids... Honey, my key doesn't work. (laughs) Can we talk? And there's a fortune to protect. Miles Massey is the best there is. So you propose that in spite of demonstrable infidelity on your part, your unoffending wife should be tossed out on her ear. Is that possible? It's a challenge. Your Honor, I call Heinz the Baron Kraus von Espy. Now, a man who is used to winning. Did she specify what kind of a husband she was looking for? She said she wanted a very rich husband. Is about to lose his heart to a woman. Look at her, an athlete at the peak of her powers. Excuse me. Who is ready to bite back. I would be delighted. Honored, really, if you were. How? You named him after your ex. I'm sentimental. Friends, today, Miles Massey is here to tell you that love need cause us no fear. I assume you're a carnival. Oh, Mr. Massey, you have no idea. Love need cause us no shame. Objection, Your Honor! Strangling the witness! I'm going to allow it. Love is good. Marilyn, what a pleasant... Who the hell are you? Howard and I are planning to marry. Dump him. I could have you disbarred for that. You fascinate me. Intolerable cruelty. And there you have Intolerable Cruelty, a Coen's brother movie. Uh, one of two for our more modern picks. And uh, 
I'm just interested, Charles, is this one of the ones you are questioning whether it really is a screwball comedy or not? No, actually, I, I think this is definitely a screwball comedy. I think it has all the elements. Um, and by the way, we are in color. Dun, dun, dun. Because uh, this is representing Wizard that. of Oz. This yeah, thing. Wizard of Oz. Yes, yeah, so we come back from the break and we're in color. Uh, yeah, no, I definitely consider this to be a screwball comedy. Um, not to say that it's a good movie because I don't like it at all. But it, it, it fits the mold uh, very well that we've, by our definition. I think so, too. I have to say, I was... Skeptical seems too harsh a word, but I was I was unsure how I was going to... Like, whether there even could be a modern screwball comedy. I mean, it just feels very... I don't know. It just seems like such a 30s and 40s concept. I couldn't even like really wrap my head around how they could do it. Modern. But I, I agree with you, Charles. I think this definitely is. And and, yeah. and I think George Clooney is a good uh, modern day. I don't know. I don't know. I, I would say Cary Grant maybe. Is, yeah. Yeah. He's Cary Grant-esque and maybe a little bit of Clark Gable too. Um, he definitely in uh, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, he reminded me a lot of Clark Gable in appearance and everything else. But this one is more Cary Grant. So I think he's the perfect mm-hmm. choice to play this. Uh, modern adaptation of it so and he did that scene when they were like the whole thing with wheezy joe when they were like following him into her house after they've ordered the hit on her um that was straight up like arsenic and old lace Cary grant like him with the crazy hair yes bathroom yeah yes and i i agree and then and yeah that's i yeah but for some reason i just this movie just doesn't gel for me it's not I don't know. It's in that weird part where it's serious, but not serious. And I just, I didn't really like Catherine Zeta-Jones in this. Um, I don't know. I think she was probably well cast. I just didn't like the way her character was written. Yeah. Radio silence. I, I don't. I, Mark, what do you, what do you think? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think this is a movie that like completely understands itself as most Coen Brothers movies do, and I I really enjoyed it and was just along for the ride. Uh, but I like Catherine Tate Jones in this role. I thought she was perfectly cast, actually, for a for a kind of a gold digger. And uh, I agree with what you're saying about George Clooney. But I don't know. It's it's one of those just really fun fun movies. I. I think I'm with you, Mark. I I didn't. I don't know if I ever need to necessarily see it again, but I was entertained. Um, I the part that stands out to me as being kind of jarring was when um, George Clooney gives his keynote speech in Vegas. It was too serious. It was very serious, and I was like, what? And then when everybody, he got the standing ovation afterwards, and it, I, I couldn't tell if it was going to be a dream or, or something, or if that was about, I had, I didn't remember how like far into the movie I was at that point, so I was like, is this the end? Like, is it going to go from being zany screwball comedy to triumphant love story? I, I, but, and then I was glad it didn't, because that would have been too weird. But that, but that, it was, it was almost like a, that, that vinyl scratch sound when that scene came on, I was, I was like, all right, all right, I'm enjoying it, enjoying it. And then brrrr, I, it just felt like it went in a totally different direction. And okay. So in complete transparency, I have not seen this movie. I, well, because I don't, I enjoy Coen brothers 
when they make a dark, serious movie. I think they're really good at that. When they make a comedy, because they're so good at putting little comedic bits in their dark, serious movies that just add a little twist of the knife. You know, oh, I assume that's your friend in the wood chipper. You know, that kind of stuff where you're just like, that's the perfect thing to say right then because it's already dark enough. We don't need to make it any darker, right? <laughs> but when they make a screwball comedy or any comedy for that matter, they always throw in something like you just described where it's like, oh, this just got really serious really quick. And it's kind of off-putting and it has the opposite effect, I think, from what it does for the other one because it's like, but I'm here to have fun and it's not fun now. What's going on? What are we doing? Like it just, it throws the whole, I don't know. I, that is what you just described. Having not even seen it, I'm like, yep, I know exactly what you're talking about because that's what yeah, they Part do. of it is I don't Every like. comedy they make. I don't really like the uh, Jeffrey Rush character. That scene at the beginning is kind of weird. And then it, and then there's the, the scene with uh, Cedric the Entertainer. I, <laughs> I just, those scenes were so close to the beginning just, to me, they were off-putting, and they just, I just never really got back into the movie after those. Yeah. I mean, I, I would agree it's probably bottom half of Coen Brothers movies. But this the whole speech scene, I enjoyed it until the standing ovation from the lawyers. Because <laughs> I knew, like, it made sense coming from Clooney. It was like, oh, he's bought this hook, line, and sinker from Catherine Zeta-Jones. And we, you kind of feel like... You know, he's putting himself out on this ledge and he's going to he's going to fall off of the ledge. And he does immediately, you know, in the bar afterward. But the standing ovation from the lawyers is like, wait, they're the ones who are supposed to see through all this. But I don't know. Yeah. I, I still enjoyed it. I, I liked a lot of the, the fast paced dialogue, um, you know, yeah. even uh, when they were, you know, meeting between the lawyers and stuff and they would say things back and forth, back and forth. That was very his girl Friday esque. Mm-hmm. Um, again, hearkening back to you know, Cary Grant style. Um, so again, there were parts that I very much enjoyed. Um, I, I believe this is part of a, a series of movies that Coen's have done, um, starting with Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Where I think George Clooney was in all of them. It's like, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Uh, Intolerable Cruelty, Burn After Reading, and Hell Caesar. Do you like any of those movies, Topher, of those four that I mentioned? Or do you consider those to be the weak Coen Brothers movies? Because I just wonder if it's you know, I think they consider yeah. it like their unofficial comedies or right. unofficial I, goofy I am, ones. I really enjoy Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Because it's the Odyssey and it's fun to pick up on the bits of that. And that movie, just the the art direction on that movie and the cinematography on that movie are just killer. Like, it's great. But because they have that previous... Because here's my... I, I don't really want to go into it too much because we're about to talk about Hail Caesar in a second. But I feel like the other ones suffer from just meandering. Like, they just don't really seem to have, like, where is this going? What is going on? Like, oh, brother, where art thou? They have a previous source material. They're very clearly, I mean, not verbatim, of course, but, like, pretty much you know where you're headed. And there's an arc and all this good stuff. Whereas, like, the other one, I mean... I, again, I haven't seen Intolerable Cruelty, but Hail Caesar, I just was like, what is happening? And what was the other one? I'm trying to remember the... Uh, Burn After Reading. Burn After Reading. That was a mess. That yeah, I, I, we, we talked about that. Uh, was that in our dark comedies, Kelly? I think that yeah. was the Micah one. I was so yeah. excited for that movie, too. I was so excited for that movie. The cast on that movie is out of control, and it was terrible. But anyway, uh-huh. I just feel like that's their problem, is they... They always seem to make one of those movies right after they have like 
won best picture or been nominated for best picture. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, seriously, like when did, um, Hail Caesar came out right after Old Brother Where not Old Brother Where right after No Country for Old Men. Like, I mean, immediately after it, right? Or very close to it. And I feel like what happens is, and and I may have the which one came after which wrong, but I feel like the Coen Brothers get to a point where they are so high on the hog in Hollywood that the Emperor has no clothes, and mm. they just turn in just a mess of a script, and the studios throw money at it, and they get to make anything, and there's no oversight. I mean, what, what's your favorite Coen Brothers movie? Judge. Probably, it would either be Fargo or No Country for Old Men. It would be one of those two. See, in No Country for I, Old Men, I mean, it's 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 you know they took obviously they had a good source material to go from, and they right. yeah they took a lot of it directly from it. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, for sure. And I I think that sometimes they just I, I think they get there are other directors who do that who just like they need that source material to guide them. They're great at realizing it, but making it up whole cloth, they just, they can't do. Did you, see, did you see a simple bad. man just, or a serious I man? Didn't see that one. Is it no, a serious, serious man? man? It was a serious man. Yeah. yeah. That's another yeah. weird one too. So. I just, I feel like they just have a, they have a niche that I like them in and otherwise I'm just not. But that niche is fantastic. I mean, it, oh man, they're killer yeah. when they're in that. Yeah, yeah, they're great in that. Yeah. Oh hey, you moved your camera. Out. Hey, how's it going? Oh. Um, <laughs> all those listening, say, I, all those listening, that was amazing. I I like all four of these. Uh, all four of their comedies. <laughs> I I thought. Oh, brother, I mean, where art thou? I, 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 lo- I do like... love. I just want to clear that up. I do love a oh, brother, where art thou? I think uh, probably for all the reasons you're mentioning, so for it, yeah. but also it gave them it, the weird and zany things they did fit in the context of that era you know like they had these yeah. weird characters and the weird accents and over-the-top ridiculousness but it worked but anyway go ahead mark sorry well i was gonna say they're not their most dazzling examples of cinema but i i, I remember enjoying burn after reading as well even though it's been a while since i've seen it and it does meander and it's like what's kind of the point of this but there's like these little gems in in those movies where I don't know. I remember the chopping the carrot scene and and I think it's George Clooney is like, do you really have to chop them that much? And she like, why are you so negative? And it's the, I don't know. I, I, I like all four of them. Just going to put that out there. Maybe it's a uh, George Clooney and the Coen brothers and just. Yeah. Yeah. Except, I think, which well, is I funny because think... I don't love George Clooney like as a rule. I was going to say, I think that's the like some of his most committed roles are when he's doing a Coen Brothers movie. Well, it, where oh, he's no, just like, falls to the wall. Like, yeah, going all out. No Country, like, or, uh, not No Country, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, definitely. But I would, I just the thing about George Clooney is like, yeah, he does these goofy movies with them, but he's actually a really good serious actor. I mean, he won an Oscar for Syriana. At, right. Which he broke his back. And then the, if you, have you guys seen that movie? Oh, yeah, the torture, great, yeah, the torture scene. Like, he really hurt himself in that scene because he was that committed to that role. So I think he can be a fantastic actor, you know, but I I don't personally think it comes across the best in these movies other than Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Yeah. But they didn't you know, even let him sing for that movie. He, he Apparently, he wanted to sing in that movie and they didn't let him. They yeah, dubbed him. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, so are we going on to our last movie then? Let's do it. <laughs> right. I guess so. Um so next we have Hail Caesar, in which a Hollywood fixer in the 1950s works to keep the studio's stars in line. Here we go. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. How long since your last confession, my son? 27 hours. It's really too often. 
You're not that bad. Here at Capital Pictures, as you know, millions of people look to us for information and uplift and, yes, entertainment. And we're going to give it to them. And action. An army of technicians and actors and top-notch artistic people are working hard to bring to the screen our biggest release of the year. Hail Caesar is a prestige picture with one of the biggest stars in the world, Baird Whitlock. A truth we could see if we had, but... If we had... Faith! 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 Cut! Uh, Mr. Mannix. What's up? The director can't find Baird Whitlock. Somebody slipped it under my door. We have your movie star. Gather $100,000 and await instructions. Who are we? The future. Hello, Bert. Hello, Mr. Mannix. Lawrence, Obi, thank you all for coming. The studio needs your help. Bad Whitlock has been kidnapped. This is bad. Bad for movie stores everywhere. She sings the perfect time on me. Let's spend 24 hours. But we're looking for him. We don't want it in the gossip columns. This is going to cost the studio a lot of money. And that's where you come in. I need some cash. You must have very strong forearms. Is it hard squeezing it like that? It's part of the job, miss. I'd like to know what the hell is going on here. 20 million readers want the truth, Eddie. Truth, yes. Mm. Eddie. This is a drama, man. It's a real drama. Mr. Mannix, I know it sounds screwy, but someone's calling from the future. Good Lord. Wondering what's going on? And that was Hail Caesar, the best Coen Brothers film to date. <laughs> says Mark. Fight me. Fight me. No, I'm kidding. Says, says Mark. And you're the reason that we put this on the list. This well, is okay. So I do not I, think I this a, is a screwball yeah, comedy. Defend yourself. Defend yourself. Right. So, okay. I had not seen the movie when I asked for it to be on the list because Charles, you're, you're the one who sent the title to me. I just threw out on a bunch of different like, movies. Right, right. I was like, the Oh, hail Caesar, Coen brothers. It's a classified as a screwball comedy. Let's do it. And then watching it, I also don't think it's a screwball comedy because there's no romantic plot at all to it. So are we all in agreement? So. This is not, <laughs> does anyone here oh, think okay. this is a screwball comedy? <laughs> It's a no. screwball movie. I don't know if it's a screwball comedy. It's it's uh, a. I would say at best it's a farce, right? Like that would yeah. be. Yeah, that's yeah. okay. That's okay, yeah. all right. Yeah, because I just well, go ahead. And 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 screwball comedies are supposed to satirize the romantic relationship. This movie right. kind of satirizes Hollywood, everything in Hollywood. Yeah, while uh, also like worshiping it. it. It's it's like a love letter to it at the same time. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah. This is a great movie to like get a sense of of what Hollywood's really like with all of the anticlimax of like at the very end when George Clooney's giving his speech about about Christ and then forgets the last word of his speech and then it like there's all these scenes where it's like oh my gosh you're kind of getting caught up in all of the 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 shots of these movies and then they cut because there's some mistake you're like oh that's how Hollywood is it's not you know, we see the finished product, but this is just like, like Topher said, this is just like a machine churning out all of this stuff. Well, and I do like, there are aspects of this movie I like, and that's, I like that. I like that it's, it's a parody of uh, Ben-Hur 
I mean, clearly they mean that you know yeah, tell yeah. the Christ or whatever. But but the the what, it's a stupid joke. But when they have uh, they have the guy playing Jesus knelt up on the cross and you never see him and and they don't know if he's a if he's a supporting character, what kind of character he is, and what to give him food. Yeah, that's really funny. That's a subtle joke, but yeah. I, I did laugh at that. Um, th- again, there are aspects of it I like. Uh, I really liked uh, the main character Mannix. Um, I, I, I thought Josh Brolin did a great job. I, that's a, I don't know if you guys know, but that, that is based on a real guy. There was a real guy that did that. And so it's, it's weird that they give him that name, give him that same position that he was in real life, but then everything around him is fictional. The studio, the actors, um, it's like, why did they keep that aspect real, but the rest of it, not so much. Um, but it also felt like he was in a completely different movie. I kind of wanted to see a movie about him in a more serious thing rather than this goofy plot with communist and George Clooney in a Caesar haircut, uh, which I guess is a throwback to him having a Caesar haircut in the 90s, you know, whatever. But it's this is well, when you realize that George Clooney wears the same costume the entire movie yes. and it's this ridiculous Caesar, you know, uh, <laughs> soldier costume. It's funny when he's when he's walking to the set after being rescued from the communists. It's like you just you just picture George Clooney in that the whole time he's filming this movie. It, that that though, again, that's the whole uneven thing about the Coen Brothers comedies, right? Is it's like, is it? You know, like like you said, I want to see Josh Brolin's character. I just want to watch that. I don't want to watch that character. Like a two-hour movie, a serious drama about trying to make a movie. Like that would be a great movie. But instead, he's like you said, he's he's in the wrong movie. It's like literally they're directing him for a totally different movie. And uh, yeah, it's goofy. I do I do love the, the irony that they take George Clooney and put him in this position where by the end he's basically like rooting for the communists. Like guys, <laughs> they've got some good points. And it's like this guy got nominated for best director for good night and good luck an entire movie about mccarthyism yeah you understand what we're, <laughs> have, what we're doing right now like it's hilarious it, it's again one of those where you've pigeonholed an actor and you put him in this role because it's ironic and again the irony may be lost or whatever but it's not on everybody i guess well and and i get that they were you know doing throwbacks to all these different almost like vignettes right like when he goes and visits each one but they they didn't go anywhere. Like Scarlett Johansson is barely in it. Jonah Hill's in one scene, and and, and that scene is almost in its entirety. It's in the trailer, which so if you're like, oh, a Jonah Hill movie, oh great, I I saw the two lines he has in the trailer, um, and they never. It was co- kind of a funny. Scene. They never come back to it. it. Yeah, I'm not saying it was, it was a good scene because it was in the trailer, and I think the trailer's fantastic. But yeah, but it. They don't even bother to show you the outcome of that. They get, he gets a quick throwaway line told to him. Oh yeah, this happened. Okay, well that would have been cool to see, right? Like, uh, what? Because I feel like there's so much of this movie they could have cut out that had, you know, nothing to do with it. Um, now, as far as highlights, I loved, uh, and I can't, I can't ever say his name or think of his name. The guy that played the cowboy um, in this. Oh uh, yeah, he was uh, the I, best part of the whole movie. I love yes. his character. I love that the bard uh, would that it were <laughs> like I, <laughs> would that it were would that it were that, that scene actually cracked <laughs> me up um, and then you know when they actually show it and even that when they when they when they do finally reveal the line they do that one last little thing where the film gets caught on her just to like screw with you like ah so that that did crack me up there were moments of brilliance mixed in uh, I think work it's just the the George Clooney 
communist part and even the even the Channing Tatum part with the submarine it just that that part didn't work for me I really wish that would have been a different movie and they would well, actually try to make a more serious thing about the making of Hell Caesar so so what who was Channing Tatum then was he a an operative of the Soviet Union yeah. going back to the Soviet <laughs> Union yes and- didn't want the but why was he there to begin with? He didn't want the cash or he didn't want I guess to spread communism, but I don't know. The, the whole thing was like, wait. Yeah, they didn't even see the no, but nobody working? dived to get the the, the right. cases. I didn't understand that. Like just jump yeah, in and get up it. And then, yeah. Um also uh who is it? Adolf, I think it's Dolph Lundgren is the um the yeah. guy they don't show him, but it's the guy that meets him on top of the submarine. I think that's who played that part. And they they just cut out all of oh, his wow. like dialogue and <laughs> things. But um And the narrator was uh was uh Dumbledore, right? Yeah. The that played. Yeah, Which I again, see. why? Like what I thought, yeah. okay, is he gonna yeah. be well, okay, character? Charles Again, I think what's happening is they come off these huge highs of making great art, award winning huge movies and come off and just like call up their buddies and they're like hey jonah hill we're making a movie this do you want to come be in it You're like yeah sure I'll, anything you say which and he like, shows up to me though man to months. me that's like respect like do what you're like you make your no country for old men and then do what you want to do out like ride sure, the wave I mean, yeah absolutely. <laughs> well, and a lot of absolutely. a lot of people call do that I, I don't i don't i don't begrudge anyone that does that the smaller films and the more mainstream ones it's just these are this is a bizarre film because yeah. I wouldn't call it ugly and I wouldn't even call it bad. It's just it's it's not good. It, right. it, so Charles, you yeah. said like you said uh what's her name? Black Widow's only in it for for a second and, and that's and it wasn't even what the movie's about. But what do you what do you think the movie's about then? That's the thing. Like it, it, it there's there's two movies in this. There's the one about the guy that's a fixer and he and and obviously um, his faith is very important to him and he's trying to make the right decision about moving forward with his family and his life and and it's a it's a comment on Hollywood at the time and is is Hollywood that way going out you know and you know and then they have, they have a jab at Lockheed Martin and all that and so there's a lot of those kind of social commentary things going on and then there's this whole ridiculous communist plot with a with a, a you know Channing Tatum as a is a gay seller and <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. There's, there's just, there's two completely different movies well, here. I think I, to me, it's, there's only one movie and that's Josh Brolin and everything that orbits around him. And he's trying to wrangle and lasso all of these characters together and, and move the sludge forward, like through the pipes and get, get the movies. But if, out. if that's the case, I'd rather it be entirely from his perspective. Like I yeah. feel like when they go off into the communist meetings with George Clooney, when they when they go off in the submarine with Channing Tatum, I just yeah, I just that's I, just a little side to me. That was just like a side. Like George Clooney seemed like a minor character to me in this movie. He was kidnapped. You see him for like two meetings and then he's back. But if you were, but honestly, if you were just what, I, again, what was the synopsis again? I, I don't remember. But it's like, jeez, oh, yeah. I said I, I, I have left the page. I don't have it open at the moment. Because if, if I was describing are, this movie, I would say it's a, a, a yeah a, a communist. Was, go ahead. It's a Hollywood fixer in the 1950s works to keep the studio stars in line. So it's, I mean, basically they're they're pitching it as this is a story of Josh Brolin. Right. So you're right in that aspect, Mark. I, I, that's. But to me, I, it doesn't gel with the. I just wish it wasn't this silly communist plot. You know. I don't know. 
I, I don't, the thing I struggled with the most while I was watching this, I didn't really like it at all. And Topher, I agree. It was like way too meandering. I agree with Charles, all the vignettes. It felt very disjointed. I, I would have rather just, I mean, I think we're all in agreement at this point. We want to see the movie about the Josh Brolin point and that's pretty much it. But something that just kept bugging me when I was watching it is that I, I just don't know who this is for. And after this conversation, I think Tover, like, I think it was for the Coen brothers. I think they just made it because they felt like it. And, but but when I'm watching it, I'm like, man, on the surface, I, I all all five of us should or four of us should should love this movie. Right. I mean, it, you guys all love the Coen brothers. Like we all love movies. We were we're interested in the making of movies we've we've between all of us we've seen them from every possible decade you know like if if this movie isn't for us who is it for who is who enjoyed this movie the the movie I, i i wish i just i felt like the the scenes that they remade were made so laboriously that they have to have been referencing a specific movie but it's hard to know what what they were like and we've all between us seen so many movies like I, I think it would have just been a little more successful if if the movies that they would have referenced would have been a little bit more identifiable it maybe just maybe we would have connected with it more if if you could have had that factor of like oh that's that you know that's well, that they, movie. they did that pretty well with uh with ben-hur but for the rest of them it, it, well, it was yeah. harder yeah yeah i agree i don't know it just it was it was slow. There was nothing about it that really excited me. Just couldn't get into it. I think you're right, though. They did they did did um, lovingly recreate the stuff that they recreated. I mean, to the yeah. point that it was almost like it's like you know, like um, a brother where art there, where like the production design is more impressive than the movie at points. Where you're just like, and wow, it, like, like that dance number with Channing Tatum. I'm yeah. like, oh, I liked like it too. I, I agree. That was a really good like, song and dance, and <laughs> it was a little over the top, but it's fun to poke fun at it. Uh, well, yeah. you could tell that uh, Alden Ehrenreich, the Han Solo actor, yeah. you could tell he was really doing the lasso stuff too. Like, you could tell they had the actors kind of go all in and learn this stuff. Which is weird because he, in this movie, he's really charming and good. And like, I, I, I wish he. I, I like the solo movie, but I wish they, he did, did the more performance like in this movie. I don't know. I thought he was a little more wooden, a little more held back in solo. Just yeah. my opinion. Yeah. yeah. That's another conversation, another podcast. Yeah, it's a whole other whole other podcast. <laughs> Is it? Okay. Star Wars spinoffs, the movies. Yeah, we'll just do. All right. Uh, so, uh, I don't know. I guess we're going to do. Kelly, do you have your picks yet? Do you want to? Are you still going to do mine next time? Oh, I just figured we'd still do yours. Okay. Yeah. I'm excited right. about cats <laughs> and, and forcing my wife to watch it with what's me. The, Meow. What's the uh, third one? You have cats, Island of Dr. Moreau, and what's the... Uh, the the original Planet of the Apes. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, those so. are, and again, it's not that the it's not that the plot actually has to be like a mixing of human and animal. Uh, Island of Dr. Moreau does that, but... Uh, I, I feel like if it's enough between the where it's like you could tell they're humans in makeup or humans in CG, then that counts. So personified animals, anthropomorphized. Yeah, maybe. But then, well, but anthropomorphize, then in- I think, is turning into animals. Or no, that's personified turning into is a turning human. human. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So right. how many yeah. of you have seen cats? 
Not yet. Nope. Am I the only one? <laughs> so, so, so are we watching the 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 special version or the non the non? I, there's not really a special version of it. Oh, uh, I I have access. I know a guy. So okay, okay. well we'll talk can, after you, the show. You can watch it if you think you'll enjoy it more or less. I'm not sure which way you want to go with that, but uh, also as far as uh, the island of Doctor Moreau, the there there are different. No, it's not, right? I'm kidding. I'm yeah, kidding. Okay. But, uh, but there are different uh, versions of that. There's an R-rated version and a PG-13, so take oh, your pick. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I think on if you rent it on iTunes, I think it's the R-rated one. And you could tell because there's a lot more violence in it. It's like, whoa. Because I hadn't I, seen it in a while, and then I rewatched it. And I'm like, I don't remember any of that. That book, I read that book when I was younger, and that is a terrifying, terrifying book. So if that movie is even remotely true to that book, that is a terrifying movie. What? what I, how did you know I would have put that on my list, though, for like out of curiosity? You knew I anthropomorphize people like I'm just like, I mean, yeah. What, what's more terrifying than cats? Nothing. But Moreau is close. So that's going to be that's going to have to be on the list, I guess. I don't know. And Planet of the Apes. And Planet of the Apes. <laughs> the original. I can't believe me. you're doing the original. Why not the... Oh, oops. I'm like knocking things out. Why not the Tim Burton one? Yeah. I consider the Tim Burton one too, but I, uh, you know, it's. Uh, well, you've done it, right? We've done we, that we one did, before, yeah. so we've never done oh, the original okay. one. But, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah. <laughs> and I feel like if I did the Tim Burton one, that would have given away which one it is in my list. So, because yeah. you guys never know. I mean, I may pick one you think is terrible and i may pick it i have a good. feeling you loved cats i have a feeling yeah. you loved it like I, never know Charles. <laughs> I did see it in theaters i went and of saw course it. you did of course you did <laughs> that, was, that was my new year's movie i went and saw it so back when movies were a thing in theaters. yes that is oh, so uh, oh yeah i don't know if i mentioned this in the beginning but um we're kind of in different states here i mean uh mark and i are in texas but uh Topher, you're in georgia and you know, Kelly, you're in Tennessee. So, uh, it. What are the restrictions like for you guys? Are they lifting them coming soon? I think ours are through April 30th. Okay. And that we're supposed to still do social distancing, but you can. I think. I think they're going to open like, slowly. Open some restaurants and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, our governor um, took some needed flack for reopening when he chose to reopen and the things that he chose to reopen. It was like, hey. It's already reopened? Georgia's already been opening? Well, I mean, basically, like, I think Friday they're going to start allowing, like, hair salons and nail salons and massage parlors and, like, bowling alleys. And, I mean, pretty much the things where it is impossible to socially distance, they're reopening those immediately. Like, that's what they're starting with. They're not starting with, like, essential things where you can stay away from each other they're starting with oh is there somebody touching you physically yeah let's <laughs> open those up and that's what they're starting with so I, I, but our governor was also the one who like two weeks ago was like we didn't know anything about asymptomatic transmission now that yeah, we know we're yeah. shutting it down and like every, yeah he and in texas mark there uh and is it is it next at the end of this month right is that what they're talking about it's opening up a lot of stuff right yeah yeah i, I haven't heard actually many details yet i don't, I, I know it seems to me that I hear more from our lieutenant governor than anything else because he's the one that said some things are more important than living. <laughs> so, yeah, I just know as a teacher, yeah. the schools are closed for the year, for the school year. So Yeah. 
so I'm just hunkered down until till August, <laughs> basically. Yeah, so because uh, there's a lot of movies, who knows? I mean, what's going to happen with the movies? I know, I don't know if we said this last time, but I think uh, is it AMC? Uh, they may not make it out of this because they were not doing well before this, yeah. and they're not doing well, especially during it. Um, but uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. I know uh, Disney and Pixar put Onward on Disney Plus, and they're they've been kind of shuffling around Black Widow, another big yep. you know movies. So we'll see what's going to happen. I, I don't know. Um, and and, and um, I don't know if I said this last time either. Alamo Draft House, which is one of my favorites, uh, they. They're doing a thing where it uh, used to they used to do a thing called Weird Wednesday and uh, and Terror Tuesday. They would do these kind of obscure, bizarre movies and you could go and see them for cheap. Um, and they're now showing them online. So every Wednesday, every Tuesday and every Wednesday, they come out with a new one so you can rent it online. That's really cool because it helps them out and it uh, you get to see some interesting movies. So, uh so the, the, you know, some of that stuff. Cool. Some of that stuff is, helps to pass the time. So if you guys are, um, if you're like me and you like weird movies, obscure movies, and because uh, they also um, they do like uh, like I just watched a movie called Roar, which was uh, it was made in the late '70s over the course of several years, and it's it's Tippi Hedren and Melanie Griffith, and which actually Kelly I know you like Tippi Hedren I believe so uh, it, this mm-hmm. one might appeal to you but it was her husband at the time who was a producer for the original Exorcist they they um, they got this like kind of compound and they started buying up all these big cats like tigers and lions and leopards and they decided to make a movie with all of them and none of the none of the lion none of the animals are trained and so and and so they just literally he just threw his family into these scenes where they were getting attacked really truly by lions like Melanie Griffith it got, is a like, terrifying movie have you it seen it terrifying. I've seen parts of it I've never seen the whole thing but like the parts I've seen I'm like you're watching your daughter die right now like what are you doing well truly like, she said uh, she needed she got attacked by one and needed facial sur- reconstruction yeah. surgery the camera guy uh, Jan DeBont who went on to direct speed and all that he got scalped by one and he did like 200 stitches because they're it's it's insane, and like they the original Tiger King. It's yeah, and, and so if you, uh, it, the whole movie, it's just intense because you don't know what's going to happen. Everything is real in it. Um, they all got seriously hurt, and uh, it's it's on the Weird Wednesday, so you could still rent it um, through Alamo Drafthouse. It, they play it goes through Vimeo, so check it out because they actually did an interview with uh, um, with the son of the guy, the the producer guy that made it. So. <laughs> that's yeah. funny I I completely forgot about that but I remember you telling me about that movie years ago They so Alamo Drafthouse basically brought it back it was a obscure movie that didn't do well I think they marketed it as like a family movie back then <laughs> and so, so Alamo brought it back in the like like two, some like 2015 or so and uh, brought it back and that's why it's popular again but it's wow. a very, very bizarre movie. You just, you just, you can't believe, like, seriously, like, how, how did they not die? Because there are so many animals that just crowd <laughs> them and paw at them, and it's, eesh. well, unless you're married to Carol Baskin, it's really hard to get killed by one of those tigers. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> Poor Carol Baskin. Got a lot of tuna oil on there. If she, did, else, if she I mean, didn't, if she didn't do it, this is horrible for her. Uh, no, it's not. Uh, have you seen? Like, come on. 
Oh, she killed him. She killed she him. Did. Like that's not I even don't, like I don't know. I don't know that she did. I don't know. Oh man. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm sure OJ didn't do anything out of that. I mean, Wait. <laughs> no, 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 innocent, innocent till proven guilty. All right. Sorry, Carol. If you're listening, Carol, I'm sorry. I don't know. There are a lot of good. Uh, like songs that have come out of this though there's a rapper guy that rapped about it and they're actually really catchy so again if she didn't do it she's having to live with all this crap she's you know public opinion anyway mm-hmm. she's definitely been found guilty they, she, they did they opened the gold case i think i heard they, they reopened it back up yeah. they really did and there's yeah. there's been a few different documentaries on it and they added a new episode of tiger king after yeah. all this good times all right so, uh, yeah, so check out check out that Weird Wednesday stuff. Check out Joe Bob on Shudder um, this Friday. Next time we'll check next, us out. Yeah, next time we'll be back with human-animal hybrid movies. And yeah. uh, maybe everything will be lifted then and times will be back to normal. Go ahead, Mark. Cross your fingers, people. Yep. So uh, check us out on itsjustawesome.com and on uh, Twitter and iTunes at goodbadpodcast, all one word. And uh, thank you for being with us this time. Tover, this is cool. It's good having you. Yeah, no, this it. is fun. Guys. It's fun. All right. So take stay it safe. easy, guys. Stay safe. Yeah, stay All safe right. out there. Thanks, everybody. Six feet. <laughs>